excited about the word this morning. Uh, I didn't talk with Robert about my message, but uh, the worship was, I, I almost just forgot everything else. I said, no announcement. We're just going to go right into the word because the worship was preaching the message. And so the Lord is here today. Amen. And it is good to be in his presence. And we are living in a time in this world uh, that, that we need to hang on to the Lord more and more and more. We, we never should have stopped, but we're, I am seeing it all around the importance of, of staying close to the Lord, staying in his word, because this world is getting really strange. And it is pulling us away, I think, from the, the focus and the, the solid point of the word of God uh, more and more. And church, you know, we are in a, we are an equipping place. The, play, the, the church is supposed to be a place you can come to be encouraged and equipped. And so we, we really want to make sure we are doing that and helping you in your journey, in your walk, and to stay um, focused and right. The church can never change the, the f- central doctrines of salvation and of Jesus Christ, though churches are doing that. Um, there is major shifts happening all throughout the, the country, and it's, it's important. I, I really want to encourage you, if you listen to sermons by anybody, um, including me, any, anything on the, on the radio or TV, um, as you're even uh, using people's uh, worship music to enhance your, your worship times at home, that's wonderful, but I, I just feel like I need to say this. You need to make sure that what you are listening to, what is feeding you, is true and correct. There is a lot of things being said out there, and people that, um, that have been elevated into positions that I have admired and esteemed that have, have uh, impacted the body of Christ that are, started out good, as far as I can tell, and now are beginning to, to sway left and to sway right. And it's important to, to continue to check the sermons that you listen to, the Bible studies that you use, the worship, even the songs that you sing, are they true? You know, worship, music ministers, yes, to our spirit, but it also ministers to our soul. That's why, uh, you know, the, we, we, we often raise a hand in, in a worship service. Well, there's something we used to do at concerts that looked an awful lot like this, and we still do it. It's changed a little bit. You'd reach into your pocket, you'd grab out your lighter, and you'd go like this. Okay, some of you guys old enough to remember when you used to do that in concerts, right? And you hold, held up your lighter and went like this, and you swayed, right? Now, if you haven't been to a concert in a while, believe it or not, they, they actually take their cell phones out, and they turn on their, their screen, and they hold the screen up, and they do this. this there's, we're still doing this. Interesting that that's not at Christian concerts. This is just music. So when you see this, what's happening? Maybe nothing. So we, we do this at church. But, but music can also minister to your soul, to your flesh, to your emotions. Just because you feel good or it gives you a feeling doesn't mean that it's true or God is in there. We need to be really sure that what we are watching, listening to, singing, agreeing to is biblical. The, 
the thrust for churches, the, the uh, encouragement even, is to be a seeker-friendly church. And that has gone through different definitions of what that was. When it first came out, a lot of churches were really afraid of that because, well, what does that mean? And, and I, at one point I went, you know, I think what seeker-friendly means is that if somebody's coming, like if you're here this morning visiting and you're, you're checking things out, went through that whole series, you're, you're exploring God, we want this to be a place that when you come, you, you feel friendly. It feels friendly to you, I should say. People welcome you, and you don't feel like uh, like you're not wanted, like a, a, a click. We, we, we should never be a click. But the preaching of the Word of God needs to be the Word of God. It needs to be strong and direct because it's not my words. They need to be the Lord's words. Whoever the preacher is, it's not um, just his thoughts. And, and, um, and I, I really personally enjoy upbeat preaching i feel like that might ha- there's some stuff stirring in my soul today i can really enjoy that but i've also seen preachers upbeat sharing things and where you just want to say amen until you realize they didn't say anything of substance so w- w- i li- literally listened to a sermon i think i may have mentioned this and if i did forgive me uh it's been a couple months and it was it was a it was a black preacher, and I love the black preachers because they just they're excited. And he started talking about things, and he actually started talking about a cell phone. And he was giving it was exciting, and the whole sermon was exciting. He started talking about a cell phone. So I, I talk about crazy things in my sermons too. He started talking, about, and he said something like, "And this wasn't a new cell phone." And they're like, "Woo!" He said it was an old flip phone, and they're like, "Woo!" And everyone was really excited about the flip phone that he was talking about because they were just getting caught up in the moment and, and, and emotional we are emotional beings it's okay to be emotional about God it's, it's okay to be excited at a concert or a football game that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying is that when the sermon comes is there truth in it is there substance is it are you getting the right things out of it or are you just excited because it's talking about a flip phone you know, if I, I could get nostalgic and talk about the 70s and some of you get excited about because you, you grew up in the 70s or, you know, for me it was the 80s and, and, and there's nothing wrong with it, but we're, we're a church, we want to be focusing on the Word of God and you as a believer need to be reading and pressing in to the Bible because this culture and this world is drifting away. The Bible says in the last days, the teachers and preachers will draw people away from the true faith, preaching things that their, their itching ears want to hear, which is stuff that makes us feel good. But it, it, it's not life-changing, and it's not true. And so and we're watching this. There's, um, I don't even have all of the details on this, and so, but uh, Joshua Harris. Some of, any of you young people who... who uh, have been raising kids or, or, or were a teenager yourself in the last 15 years, know that name. He wrote an amazing book um, called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And, and, you know, and he helped Christian kids to say, hey, listen, you know, you're wasting so much time dating. And he, and he laid a biblical foundation for, that could help uh, the young generation go, listen, you're, you're running out, you're, you're breaking your heart, but you're also engaging in things you pro- might not want to. And he, as a young adult, he didn't date. He, he found his wife, he courted his wife, he got married, and he wrote this book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Well, I'm not sure what happened in his life, 
But they've now done a documentary on him, and it's on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet. I'm, I'm going to. It says, I survived kissing, dating, goodbye. And he has now walked away from the Lord. He's not in the faith right now. He says, in fact, I believe he said, I don't even know if I'm saved. Okay, so this man, and here's one of the things that happened, I believe. This is just my guess. He became in the spotlight, and Christians do what we do really well. Started throwing stones at him, saying, well, want to know if I agree with you. And he had a lot of backlash about whether dating was good, and, he just, and a whole bunch of things happened. Anyways, this man who, who our kids were familiar with and, and we, we talked about, and, and so I think, that, uh, I know Matthew had read, read this book, um, is now who influenced a generation. Well, now the generation that he influenced is the millennial generation, and now he's going, hey, and I don't even, I'm not walking with Jesus anymore. But people know his name. So he is going to lead people astray. Ten years ago, it was Rob Bell. Rob Bell started out in the faith, good preacher. I used to listen to him. I used some of his studies. I used some of his things in preparation for my sermons. And then he started going, you know, what we say that left, left to center. <laughs> he started, woo, kind of going off. And he started going, well, it's all good. And, and he lo- wrote a book called Love Wins Out. And people started getting a little scared of that because like, it sounded like just as long as you love, you're all good. And then pretty soon, he's way over here and basically is saying, everything gets you to heaven. There isn't one way, and he's become what, what's termed as a universalist. Okay? Would you recognize it if you listen to a sermon, though? And this isn't an accusation. It's a question. See, we need to be grounded in the Word and getting the truth of the Word of God so that if we're listening to someone who we've thought was good and maybe was and was, is preaching a message, and they start talking about something that's wrong... Would you recognize it? In the Bible, the Bereans were, were um, honored and, and given credit because when Paul was preaching to them, it said that the Bereans were of more noble character because they went and checked to see if what Paul was preaching was true. It was true. We need to do that. You need to do that to make sure it's, it's true. And, and we need to be in the Word because... Um, I could be wrong. I could make a mistake. I could say something thinking I said the right thing and say the wrong thing. Have you ever done that? Jessie started to in her prayer. And she caught herself. Right? I've done that in my preaching. She started to say, she started to say, Lord, um, you don't want anything. Yeah, 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 Lord, you don't need any, Lord, you don't need anything from us. We don't owe you anything. That's it. She started to say, "We don't owe you anything." She caught herself. Yeah, that's fine, right? She just misspoke. She goes, "No, no, no." I meant, you know, you don't owe us anything, right? Little slip. I've done it. I've said those things, and it just goes. But what if that's the only thing you heard that day? Oh, wow, cool. We don't owe anything to God. Let's take that one to the bank. Because I'd say we owe them everything. Right? So let's be of noble character. Let's be people of the word because the time is coming when, when the Bible says that people will not stand sound doctrine. They won't stand it. Um, churches that preach the truth, I think what's going to happen is they're going to shrink in size. 
And then I think what's going to happen is in time, they'll grow because all the believers who are really seeking the truth will find those churches again and they'll grow again because there's, there's a, a group of people. But let's be that people who says, I want the word of God. And if I ever stop preaching the word of God, you, you, you get to go to the elders and you say, he's not preaching the word of God anymore. By then, they'll have already stopped me. But if for some reason they're crazy too and we've all gone, leave. Run. And find a church that's preaching the word of God. Not the word that you want to hear, but the word of God. Amen? That's not the message. So you get two today. So we're going to ta- take up another offering. It's that, but it's, it's, it's part of the word. So we're in the word, and we're going to talk a little bit um, about, we've been talking about some of the characters of faith and the lessons that we can learn from them today. And this is, I believe it's tied in as, as part of the message. It just was unplanned. We're going to be both in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 25. So, um, and we're going to be uh, bo- in both of those places um, a decent amount. So if you want to find them and get in there and, and I'll pray so you can find them or swipe and, you know, put a bookmark or whatever in there on one of them and your thumb in the other. Hebrews 12 and Genesis chapter 25. God, we thank you that you gave us the word. The Bible talks that the, the word um, is alive, it's active. God, we thank you that you have given us your words to uh, grow in godliness, to be strengthened, to recognize truth from error. Father, you've given us this word that it's relevant. It's not just stories. It's not just f- interesting facts at times. It's not just history. God, but it's relevant to teach us how to live and how to base our life. God, as we're, as we're in the word this morning, we pray that you would encourage us, challenge us today. Father, I pray that that is this word is a challenging message that you would uh, let the hearer have the Spirit of God to, to know truth from error, if there is any, that there, 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 there will be truth spoken and there will be conviction from the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that no one is under condemnation because there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ, but God, that we might be challenged and encouraged to grow in you and to walk for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. At the beginning, and we're going to go a little bit further than this, but I do love this. It says in, in verse 1, 12, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's what we want. We're going to look to Jesus this morning. This message is about us recognizing things in our life and, and, and the two words sin and wait, two different things. There is sin in our life. There's sin in your life today. We want to definitely lay that aside. But we're going to get a little bit even uh, beyond just what we would recognize all the time as a sin and even look for weights that are hindering us. And we're going to lay those aside and we're going to look to Jesus so that we can run with endurance. Uh, in chapter 12 in Hebrews, it talks about um, how God chastens those he loves. A good father uh, disciplines as best as we see fit. There's been times as a parent I've disciplined that, that, that probably wasn't good. It was the, what I thought was good. Um, it was the best as I saw, see fit. But God chastens us in a godly way, and he does correct us. Listen, um, if, if you 
are alive today and you're walking with the Lord, the Lord has tried to correct you and discipline you and chasten you, and that's a good thing. We don't ever want to despise that. We don't want to be a people who think that anytime anything negative happening to me must be from the devil because sometimes something that feels negative is a chastening. It's a correction. It's an opportunity to change and do the right thing because the Bible says here um, that he chastens those he, he loves. Um, going a little bit further, though, um, I lost my place. Okay, so let's start in, in 12, because I don't know how, I, didn't, I don't want to read the whole thing, but let's start in 12. It says, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. We talked a little bit about this morning. You might be feeling weak this morning in the Lord. Um, listen, it says, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. There's a, a, a wonderful message in this. Listen, we need to not just work on us, but we also need to make sure we're not putting things into our path that are going to make it difficult to walk for Jesus. Okay? And going, we're going to talk a little bit about what those things might be, and, and the Lord is going to convict your heart and tell you what some of the things you've placed in the path that's making it difficult for you to walk straight. It says, pursue peace with all people in holiness. There it is. We're supposed to pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Don't fall short. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. There's a lot of things that come. He's pointing out one of them. One of them is bitterness, unforgiveness, these things can r cause roots that, that grow up into our lives and they make us unfruitful, another part of the Bible says. Yeah, but, but we can become defiled by them. Let's, verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 25. We talked about Abraham and Isaac, the faith of the servant last week. This week, we're really kind of skipping Isaac, and we're talking about his, his two sons. Now, remember, God had given a promise to Abraham that his servants, that his children, would, would inherit the land, that they would be numerous, and that they would be blessed. So Abraham has Isaac. Isaac was a, a very, probably a mild man. Um, he was very obedient. Forty years old, he gets married. He's married for 20 years and has no kids. Now, you got any, I'm looking around, do we have any Hispanic families in here? Because a Hispanic family would definitely know. You've got an hijo or an hija that hasn't had kids in 20 years, and you're like, come on, let's have some kids. Kids are important in this, in this culture also. He's got 20 years being married with no kids, and it says in, in chapter 25 that he prayed to the Lord so that he would have children. It's awesome because God grants his petition. And we're not going to preach on that, so I'm just going to skip right over that. And so the Lord comes and visits Rebecca and, and says that there are, I'm going to find the, find the scripture because I'm, I'm in all over this and I'm on the wrong page totally. That's why I couldn't find it. In verse 23, um, actually we'll go to, go to um, 21 where I just said, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. 
And it was 20 years before she had babies, so that was a, quite a while. And the Lord granted his plea, but Rebecca, his wife, and Rebecca's wife conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? Okay, so, so isn't that kind of like us? Hey, things should be good, but there's something that doesn't feel right. Actually, it's all okay. Sometimes just things don't feel right. Sometimes you're going through a struggle, but it's not necessarily the enemy, and it's not necessarily something bad happening or about to happen. It's just something you're going through, and you press through, and you seek the Lord, as Rebecca did. And in this instance, the Lord gives her what's happening. And he says, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. What a great prophecy, but isn't it vague? It's, it's this, this vague word that says, you got twins, which she didn't know that, so when it happened, she's like, okay, here's the word. And it's, there's two actually nations within you. One's going to be stronger, one's going to be weaker. Okay, I don't even know for sure which one's going to be weaker and which one's going to be stronger for sure. I'm going to ascertain from the next part. It says that the older shall serve the younger, that the, the younger is going to be stronger and have a stronger nation, but that's it. And, and, and how is this going to happen? There's probably a lot of things going on in Rebecca's mind right now, like, okay, great, but in my culture, the, the younger... Uh, the older doesn't serve the younger. Because in this culture, there's what we're going to find out in just, a, in, in just a minute or two, um, what's called the right of the firstborn. So they're born. The, the, the children are both born. Esau comes out first, and the little baby is grabbing onto Esau. The second baby, Jacob, is grabbing onto Esau's heel. And um, there is a little bit of, of, of debate of, of really w if this is a good translation. I went up and, and, and looked as best I could too. And the idea here, as well as the scriptures that, that Esau talks about Jacob, is that in the Hebrew, the word heel and grabbing heel is, is also something that would be like somebody who would trip somebody. Okay? I don't know if you ever used to do that. I was actually usually pretty good kid but sometimes with my friends you know you always mess around with your friends they'd be walking down the thing and and I would wait until the back foot was right here and I'd swipe it to the left and they'd kind of trip on themselves and do that I'm sure right remember doing that Wally <laughs> you know we, we used to do that you know it's so and then they, they trip and they fall they laugh right well that's kind of the idea Jacob is somebody who's kind of a, a tripper he's a deceiver he does things that make people fall that's what the name means because he was coming out grabbing the heel. So already it's, it's, it's something a little, little different. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, you know, come on, think about some of the things that were said about some of the babies you've seen. Oh, he looks like this, he looks like that. He comes on, he says, oh, he's grabbing the heel, he's a little deceiver. Oh, you little deceiver. Sounds really rough in our country, huh? Anyone grow up in a culture that uses words that, like, are really strong or you've been around people and you're like, I can't believe they said that? Our culture's a little soft, but other cultures, I mean, Guatemala, the games that Guatemalans and Mexicans play, when I've been down there, they used to have a game called Kick the, kick the Wolf. Basically, you throw somebody in the middle of it and just kick them. <laughs> They're just rough. They play rough. He played soccer with these kids down there when he was in Guatemala last year. They play rough. Yeah. They're just, they're just rough. So we, we're out of a culture we don't understand, but so they're like, oh, the little deceiver. He's a little, he's going to be a trickster. He's going to, so this is kind of the idea, and he's just being, being born. Unfortunately, he lives up to that prophetic name of his. So, so he's going on, and they're growing up. Esau 
was a man of the field. He was a hunter. But we also know from Esau that, it, that he, he, he wasn't really on his mom and dad's best side, even though he, uh, his, his dad Isaac loved him and his mom Rebecca loved Jacob more. Um, but he married, he married two girls that were not of the, of the right nation. Then later on he married two more that were really displeasing to his dad. So, but, but Esau's a hunter, and Jacob, it says, he dwelt in tents, and he was a mild man. But the, the, the word there in, in the Hebrew also means that he was stable. So he was the guy who was sticking close, but he was, he was stable, and he, had, he it was kind of focused. But here, check this out. Esau goes out, and he's, uh, well, I'm sorry, before he goes out, um, his dad's getting old, and he, he wants to bless. Oh, no. I'm getting it all confused. See? I jumped ahead. Because I'm not going to go to that until maybe next week. <coughs> so, Esau's just out hunting. And he's, he's, I have a feeling he's been out there for a while. And he comes in. And at that time, Jacob had, had made a stew. And it's just a simple stew. Nothing to it. Lentils. Beans. And Esau comes running in. And it says he is famished. And, and verse 29... Jacob cooked a stew. Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with some of that red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright. You're hungry? I want something. Anyway, that's just wrong. It's a brother. Feed your brother. He's hungry. But no, Jacob is living up to his name, and he's being a little deceptive here. Now, I think... This is my, my think, my thinking, and a, and a number of commentators agree with me. He knew because his mom told him that the older was going to serve the younger. Well, in this culture, the older gets the birthright, which is a double portion of everything that the father leaves, but he also becomes the priest of the family. He becomes the head of the family. All the other kids, even though they're siblings, know that the firstborn becomes dad of the he becomes the patriarch of the family and so i think what's happened is jacob's going how can i be above him how can he serve me if he's the head i know i'm going to do that i'm going to get his birthright and you could sell your birthright you'd sell it and dad would have to honor it where he would say okay you're not the first i'm going to go ahead and give you a double portion and then he'd become so, so Jacob is deceiving. He's being conniving. And there's a lesson in here. He's also doing it in his own strength. The Lord said it would happen, but I think Jacob is taking matters into his own hands, not waiting for the Lord. And so Esau says, listen, he says, look, I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Okay. Do you think he's really about to die? In our, in our house, we've, we, we don't let our kids say, I'm starving. Because we've showed them pictures of kids that were starving. Okay? They're not starving. I said, you're hungry. You're not starving. We've seen starving, right? On the TV. Ribs, bloated tummies. Was Esau about to die? Or was he hungry? He's just hungry. I've been hungry. You know, when you're really hungry and it becomes hangry? because you're angry and hungry at the same time. Esau is hangry. And he says, who cares about my birthright? Give me some food. And he says, swear to me. It's okay. It's yours. Give me some beans. 
he was to inherit not just a physical blessing. He was going to become the spiritual leader of his family. And that wasn't important to him. God had a spiritual call to become the priest of the family. And he says, I don't care about that. Just feed my belly. Hebrews chapter 12, again, it's like I said, you got your finger there. And I didn't keep mine there because I had to walk around. We're, we're not going to fall short of the grace. Verse 15, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. You've read that before, and yeah, you may, you may have kind of connected it. The word fornicator isn't necessarily the only meaning for it here is, is sexual fornicator. It's, it's somebody who is living loose, who isn't dedicated, who is willing to do almost anything, and he was willing for his hunger to walk away from the things of God. He wasn't disciplined. He wasn't long-sighted. He was short-sighted, and he was fleshly. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be Esau's. We don't want to be like Jacob either and trick people. But listen, we're going to focus in a little bit here. Esau couldn't keep that God had a call on his life to do something and to be something. Do you think God was gonna, is able to, to raise up Jacob to be the, the, the head of the household in another way? I believe he can. But, but does God ever, does God put people say, I'm just going to despise you over the nose? It's Esau despised his birthright. God didn't despise him. He needed to trust God and keep pressing in and said, no, you know, you, you go to his brother and say, you know, chump, I'll go make my own food. Trying to trick me. That's ridiculous. My, my birthright, my walk with Jesus is way more important than that. Now you put whatever that is for you. My walk with Jesus is more important than me watching this, than me drinking this, than me smoking this, than me cheating on this or cheating on her or whatever it is. My walk with Jesus, my position in Christ, I am a priest. I am a blood-bought, born-again believer in Jesus Christ who's a world changer. I'm not going to give that up no matter how hangry I am, how desirous I am to fill my flesh. There's an old saying. There's, there's a couple guys, and they were saying, what's the most powerful thing in the world? Is it, is it um, a king? Or is it power or money? Or, or I'm sorry, or, or power and money, or is it a woman? And they were having all these debates of saying, well, you know, with power and money, you can do just about anything. He says, no, no, the king. The king's the most powerful because he can make laws and he can just do anything he wants because he's the king. And if somebody else says, no, 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 it's a woman. A woman is more powerful than anything. He says, why is that? He says, because for the love of a woman, a king will give away all of his power and his position. And this is, it can be true. What are you willing to give up your position in God for? What are you willing to walk away from? What are you willing to, to, to compromise for? 
Is there things in your life that you say, you know what, every time this comes up, I compromise. Every time this comes up, I choose this over my God and my walk with Him and my position in Him. We don't want to be profane, adulterers, fornicators like Esau. We want to be those, no matter how weak we're feeling, we're built up and we know the Word of God and we say, no, I'm not going to sell my birthright for what makes me feel good about myself in the natural. It says in verse 17 in Hebrews, says, for you know that afterwards, and I want to talk a little bit about this here. Guys, women, men, there has been things in your life, if you've been alive for any length of time, that you have done, and, and like almost immediately when you're done, you've said, what did I do? It didn't even take you a day, maybe. I mean, it just, something, it, it came to you and says, what did I do? Some of you, it might have been, been days or months or even years, and you went, what did I do in that decision? And it says in 17, for you know that afterward, after he sold his birthright, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, and that's what we're going to talk about. Another thing that, that, that Isaac does is he, he gives Jacob the blessing because Jacob deceives that too. He was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. He continued in this lifestyle, and he allowed that life, even after he sold his birthright, he actually never quite repented and didn't finish things out the way he should have. He was still walking after the flesh. See, it says that he married two women, and his mom and dad had problems with them because he married local girls. We talked about that last week. You can't marry the local girls. They're going to lead you astray. They're going to they're make your heart uh, not solid for the Lord. And he did. He went out and he had two wives. And then later at the very end, when he gets really mad because Jacob st sp uh, steals his blessing as well, even though it was Jacob who stole the blessing and not his dad, he says, I'm going to get even with my dad. And he married two even worse girls. He has four wives. Why? His character was bad. It wasn't just one bad decision. His character was bad. But character gets developed over time. He wasn't born with bad character. He allowed the urges and the flesh to rule over him slowly but surely. We can stop. You can stop whatever those things are that, that the enemy and your flesh put in front of you and says, choose this. Just one click. Just one click, men. Your wife won't know. Nobody sees you. Just click and watch this video. Just one trip here. Whatever it is. Don't go down, the, don't go down that avenue. Say, I'm not going to sell my birthright. Because the Lord wants to bless you. He's a plan. Many times, we actually saw the the firstborn not receive the birthright or the blessing god can do it his own way but he also will bless you if you're close to him you need to know that that no matter what your situation is god can bless you right where you're at and and here's where we're gonna hey you gotta throw this in really quick because it's part of this you guys you know but i don't i don't 
I don't always like my life. I like if I can do this, and I, can li- I like if I can do this. Romans chapter 9 talks about how we need to understand that God causes some people to be here and some people to be here. And that we need to, to not question God. Not everyone is called to be rich. I mean, I think most of us in here would say, you know, I wish God did call me to be wealthier than I am. I, get, I wish God called me to be a CEO. Or I know there's people who say, I wish God would have called me to be a famous actor or a famous actress. I wish God would have called me to be a, a famous musician. And we, and we beat ourselves up and we question these things. No, God has got a call and a plan for you, but if you'll walk in it and be satisfied in him, even the blessing that, that Esau receives, he says you'll receive the fatness of the land. You're going to be blessed. It's just not going to be the what you want exactly. And we need to be, learn to be content in him and say, God, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to turn down the offers to my flesh, and I'm going to serve you and let you lead me into the things that you have for me. I think we in this nation struggle with that more than anyone else in, in the whole world. Definitely, definitely us first world people, we struggle with things that the third world people don't because we have these crazy dreams like, I just wish I was rich and famous. And the third world's going, I wish I just had some food. Interesting. And we fall... We fall prey to other fleshly lusts that other people don't, even though the common flesh is, is still there for all of us. We don't want there to be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who, for one morsel of food in his case, sold his birthright. I remember a time I had a, a tooth pulled. I was about 20. I was, I was a Christian Went down to the down the hill to the dentist and, and they and they pulled it out and I was I, you, I was 20 I was a guy I don't I hadn't really done a lot of dentist things yet and when I got out of the dentist I felt good didn't have any pain so I went and had a hamburger. They also didn't give me any pain meds. When I left the dentist, they gave me none. So I had a big old hamburger on the way home. Got home. I I was young. I didn't really even know how pharmacies worked. I don't think I'd ever had a prescription in my life at that time. Maybe maybe one or two. And the pain started coming in about 5.30 in the evening. And it started getting bad. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is starting to hurt. And it didn't take long until I was in a meltdown of pain. I, I don't remember the pain, but I remember that I actually ripped off my shirt. I mean, the buttons flew. I was just, I was just really in pain. And I didn't know what to do. And I, did, I, did the, the, I, the pharmacy was closed. I don't even know if I had a prescription. I honestly can't remember. I know that I, f- I knew I didn't know what, how to get painkillers. So I went, I'm going to go find. Actually, this, uh, <laughs> Gary wasn't walking with the Lord at this point. And he was still doing drugs. And I went, I'm going to go get high. I'm going to get something in me to take away this pain because I was out of my mind. And on the way, something happened. And I feel like the Lord said, wait, go talk to, to Mike and Trish, my sister and brother-in-law. And, and so I found them. They were at a Bible study at somebody's house, banging on the door. I mean, I am, I am hurting for certain. And I'm like, I need something. 
I'm going to die or I'm going to go get high. And, and Mike was living with uh, Kevin Kreinheater, who was at the church at that time. He was a quadriplegic, but he did have a lot of phantom pains and pains, and he had a pharmacy, but it was a legal pharmacy. And so I went and got some Vicodin or something. You gotta just might have been living with him at that time. It was probably 1990. So I went over and found Kevin, and he gave me some Vicodin or something and took, took the pain off. Why do I say that? In those moments, there's, there's times that you're willing to do anything, but you need to ch- just get back into the Lord and say, God, is there something else that I can do? Will you help me? Maybe it's pick up the phone and call somebody and says, if you don't get over here, I'm going to do something really, really stupid. Don't follow the flesh. Don't be profane like Esau. Let's be people who want to inherit whatever it is that God has for me, who want to step into that priestly role that he has for every one of us to fulfill his call. The Bible says, I have made you a kingdom of priests. That is the calling on every one of us. Don't trade it in. Don't trade it in for a morsel of food, for a quick fix, for something that just feels good for a moment. Do whatever you need to do. You know, he was going to have to wait some time to eat. And it was going to be hard because he was hangry. But do it. Do it. Whatever it is, make the phone call. Call a believer. Call a brother. Confess to someone. Put yourself in the better position so that you can keep solid and don't despise that birthright from the deceiver who wants to steal everything from you. I'm going to pray. God, there is a deceiver out there. The Bible calls Satan as a deceiver who wants to trick us into giving up our inheritance in you, to relinquishing our position in Christ, to relinquishing our walk with you. Our flesh agrees with him every day. God, I pray that you would strengthen us, help us to change our character, our moral compass to be people who are stable in you and not seeking after our natural desires. Help us to recognize the deceiver when he comes in and says, just do this and you'll have what you want. Let's follow the example of Christ who when he was tempted, he quoted the word of God back to the tempter. Strengthen us that we can walk in your blessings receive your blessings not be one who seek after our own flesh or listen to the deceiver we thank you that the Holy Spirit will live inside of us thank you for the conviction and the still small voice that leads us because the word says that no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man and with every temptation I will provide a way of escape help us to walk in that building up our ourselves and our faith, becoming a spirit-filled and a spirit full, full of the fruit of the spirit type of person. We thank you for your word. Help us to be lovers of the word and lovers of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.